Stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hi, and welcome back to Raising Joy. My name is Kristen Perch, and I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist at Cook Children's Hospital, and I'm joined by my gorgeous co-host, Miss Winnie King. Hey. How are you? How's everybody? <laughs> and and let me just say, cute shoes on Kristen today <laughs> with with summer toes. You have pink hey, toes. You know, like yes, it it, it <laughs> has summer. To, exactly. You have to get that together. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to put your toes out in the world, yeah. like they need to be right. Like we're not <laughs> put your toes in the world. We're not yeah. playing around. No, no. with like you know fungus eating toes. Oh or, my gosh. You you know. No. Yeah, I can't do that. No. So you spend time in the spa, get them done. Yes. Yeah, that's good. It's a little bit of self-care. It is. Just, you know, a little me time mm-hmm. to like relax, decompress, read my book. Gotta do it. It is amazing. And I ask people, please don't speak to me. <laughs> Just don't talk. <laughs> please don't yeah. talk. I, I don't want to talk. I, I don't really, I really, I mean, I'm, I'm an introvert anyway. So I, I don't want to talk, but I don't want to talk when I've got my feet in the in the bowl and the water's warm and I got, you know, ear pods on and I'm listening to TikTok and watching. I yes. don't want to talk. I, you, this is, ooh, yes, you, you want the whole experience. I want the experience. experience. Yes, yes ma'am. I, okay. I, I, I totally understand that. Okay. Well, I was relaxing and watching one of my favorite programs, um, which is uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Love it. It's on Netflix. Their most recent season was in Austin. Mm. And a great part of their program is every like every few every probably like 10 minutes or so Mm -hmm. they would have like a meaningful quote from a famous Texan on the, you know, that, that would come up on the program. Wow. And I saw one that made me pause the program, take a picture of it and send it to everyone I knew wow. because it just really spoke to me. OK. OK. What, is, what was the quote? It said, if you really want to get along with someone, let them be themselves. Mm. And this is from the patron saint of Texas. Mr. Willie Nelson. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I just, I, I want to get that on a canvas. I want to put it in my house. I want to put it at my office because yeah, I just yeah. think that there's so much truth to it. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you want to get along with someone. So there's a the question. Mm-hmm. Do, let you, them, do you really? Let okay. them, if, and if you do, let them be themselves. And I love that. Let them be themselves because it makes me think of authenticity. Yes. I want the authentic self. Yes. Not the made up self, but the authentic self. Not the social media self. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 Mm-mm. no. The Facebook fake. No. no none of that. <laughs> okay. Like, what's real? But I love that quote. That's really good. That's really good. So if I ever get it on a canvas, I'll get you one too. Yeah, please. Put it in my office. Put <laughs> we'll, it in my office. We'll put it on our merch as yeah. Kim has, uh, our, our non-existent merch as Kim yeah, has suggested. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Well, our guest today is Dr. Frank Sloan. He's a physician at Cook Children's Urgent Care, Care as well as faculty uh, fellow for LGBTQ Health and Wellness at Texas Christian University School of Medicine. Welcome to Raising Joy. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing great. How are y'all? Well, we're in the heat. Yeah, it's really (laughs) hot today. It's been hot all week, but that's okay. Well, Frank, 
Dr. Sloan, we know that you are um, about improving the medical care for LGBT community. Um, is that's a passion for you? Why is that? Tell me why that's become a passion. Well, <clears throat> part of it is I am part of the community. My husband and I have lived in North Texas most of our lives. We grew up here. I moved here in the summer of 1980, the <gasps> heat stroke. So every time my parents says it's hot, I'm always like, mm, not quite 80 <laughs> hot yet. <laughs> I grew up here since 1980. My husband's been here since before that. And, you know, this is where I went to med schools, where I practiced for the last 20 years. We have also faced a lot of challenges from our health providers in my lifetime. Really? Um, yeah. Times have changed since Some. I was young, but... It's still an issue. Um, and many people I know that are uh, LGBTQ or have the same response and stories. So now that I teach, I try to make sure that my future doctors who are going to take care of me when I'm retired mm -hmm. understand these problems and make sure that they realize that there are consequences to things you say sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit about the problems. I mean, I, I you're talking about the problems of LGBTQ. I know that there are problems with um, medicine and African American, uh, you know, women. We all know that. But what is the what are the problems that the LGBTQ community face? It's stigmatism. I mean, that's really the big thing. Stigmatism still very much exists. I hate to say it, and but it still does. Um, we've had you know had doctors talk to me um, like I was a child. And I'm a doctor. I've had uh, friends who have had their doctor say, oh, you can't be gay. That's, that's, that's impossible. You need to go see a psychiatrist and signs them for referral to see a psychiatrist <laughs> when they're an adult. Okay. An adult, like have gone to college, got a, mas a master's or a doctoral degree. Like these are not like people who are failing in life. And yeah. they think that they need to go see a psychiatrist to help this. You know, they're successful. They're married. They have children. Yeah. They're there for something else, but they want to deal with their sexuality when that's not really what the issue was about. Okay. Uh, my husband recently went to the emergency room and the emergency room doctor, even though I introduced myself as his husband, I introduced myself as a physician. I introduced myself as a physician who works in an ER. He refused to talk to me. He only talked to my husband, wouldn't even look at me in the eye, wouldn't even answer my questions. And, and I know you had questions. Oh, lots of them. <laughs> I know you did. Oh, and informed questions. Informed yeah. questions. Important yes. questions. Yeah. And that was only 18 months ago. Wow. And that's at a major hospital here in Fort Worth. Mm. And it happens all across the country. I have friends all across the country and they'll tell you the same things. Um, it's stigmatism. People, yeah. people, just like people of color or any minority, it's the stigmatism. And I think it's a little bit different because they think you can change, like you can't change your color and you can't, you know, just like change other things sometimes, but, um, it's, I can't change my hair though. Yeah. <laughs> trust me, And do it all the time. <laughs> I, I wish I could grow more of mine. I, tell you. I will change my hair, but yeah. go on. But yeah, it's this thing idea where you can change. So it's really our fault for the way we are instead of being just, you know, treat me like a person. That's all I really want. Yeah. You know, if I'm here for my sexuality, great. We'll talk about it. Yeah. You know, if you're worried about I'm at risk for something, great. Let's talk about that. I'm an open book. Um, I teach my students about sexuality. That's part of my job at TCU School of Medicine. I teach sexuality. I teach genderism. I teach all sorts of things. And my biggest thing is just treat your patient like a person. How would you treat your grandmother? Mm. Do you always agree with everything your grandmother says? No. <laughs> Nobody does. They're always like, she's too old. She yeah. doesn't know what she's I talking about. I wouldn't say it in her face, though. No. <laughs> but you'd be completely polite. Yeah. And you would still be very respectful of her. Yes. That's what I, ex that's what I expect my students to do with people that they don't relate to. It, you don't have to uh, agree with everybody to be affirming with somebody or to be respectful of somebody. And that's what I really want my students to understand. What was the quote? 
Tell me the quote. If you want to get along with someone, let them be themselves. Okay, that's all I And know. their true selves. Yeah. Not Authentic. the selves you want them to be. Yes. 100%. Because I've hidden in the closet for many years. You know, I'm a white man. Mm. I can, my family's a, a Southern family. I can pull on the charm all I want to. I know, all, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church. I mm. know all the words. I know mm. all the right things. I can hide in any place if I need to. Mm -hmm. But that's not me. Yeah. But if you really want to know who I am, then, you know. Get to know who my husband is. Yeah. Full, just like anybody else. Right. The full picture. The full picture. The whole beautiful picture. And I'll be honest, gay won't ever be on my tombstone. That's not even anything that's going to be high on my list of things <laughs> that's going to be on my tombstone. Right. right. So why are you worried about that? You know? Yes. Like, yes. Yes. Like your identity is like so much more. Like oh, this yeah. is definitely part of it. And, you know, like we should like respect and celebrate mm -hmm. that. But you're right. Like that is a small part. Of. I guess I'm one of those people I think diversity and differences is what makes the world better. Yes. Mm. I love, you know, I you can have, you know, plain old chicken noodle soup, but I'd rather have, you know, something that's got minestrone and everything else. Oh my myself. I mean, I love, I love things that are different and I love to yes. try new things. I love to try new cultures. I love to try, you know, a new language. And I just think a lot of people are just very set in their ways, which is fine, but that doesn't mean you have to disrespect someone who's different. All right. We Absolutely. Need, we need to go to dinner. Go on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Major foodie here. That probably might make my tombstone. <laughs> you know, I grew up in rural Northeast Texas. And so I don't, I don't, I don't remember whenever I became aware of homosexuality. Like it wasn't, it's just not something that we talk about, but like my awareness and experience came from meeting people that I loved and cared about and it, to help me realize, you know, like very, you know, in my early twenties, like, Hey, like there's, like, these people are wonderful. Like, why would they ever be, you know, discriminated against? Or why would anyone hate them? Like they're like lovely. Like why? Isn't that weird that you have that thought, but other people don't. I mean, cause I've always been that way. And, and, you know, why are you upset with them? They're not bothering you. What's the problem? What's the issue? And I need exist, to understand that. We exist everywhere. It's yes. not like it's only in one culture, one country. We exist in every culture, <laughs> yes. every country, every language. For every years language. and years and years yeah. and years and years from centuries. the beginning of time. Yeah. I have a good friend who told me that um, when she first asked about, you know, what was gay, she didn't know what that meant. And she was, her mother said something like, well, it's like, you know, Mr. So-and-so at the church who plays the pipe organ. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> she goes, you know how he's just kind of different? And she's like, yeah, well, that's what it's like. And she's like, oh, okay. And she said she never thought anything different because he was one of her favorite people in the oh. world. She loved him. Yes. And no one said anything or asked any questions because he was the pipe organist and of they course, needed a pipe they organist. Need that. <laughs> but, but she said, you know, she was lucky that she grew up with someone who she loved and realized that they were no different than her. 100%. And we're trying to give those, my husband and I are trying to give those experiences to our girls much earlier. Like we want them to be around happy, you know, like all different kinds of couples and, and things like that so that they don't ever have that experience of like, wait, you know, like experiencing as experiencing anyone else's other. Like we mm -hmm. want them to know that we are connected, you know, and that everyone is like valued, respected. And and children learn that there are differences. Mm -hmm. They have to learn that. So my dad was military. Like I said, we moved here in mm. 1980. Wow. We were living in Germany and we lived on a military base. My friend across the way, um, Brian, he was black. He was me, you know, he mm -hmm. was American. Mm -hmm. All the Germans, I look German. You know, I'm very Aryan looking. I'm blonde hair, blue eyed, very pale. And, but I never identified as German, even though I went to a German uh, in kindergarten school and was the only person that spoke English. And I learned German, you know, going to kindergarten. Mm -hmm. But when I moved to the States, when I moved to Fort Worth, I got bused to the east side and it was, you know, and during segregation, uh, desegregation, had to be bused to the other side of town. And it was predominantly, it's A.M. Pate. It's a very historical black uh, elementary school on the east side of Fort Worth. 
I didn't feel uncomfortable there. And all my classmates were like, oh, we're the only, you know, we're the only, we're different from everybody else. I'm like, well, they're like Brian. And I had never learned that there was white, black. I learned there was nationalities. I learned there was German and American, Mm -hmm. but I had never learned color. Right. And it was the first time it kind of slapped me in the face that color is something different. And I I always fall back on that. Kids learn what we teach them in terms of what's different. That's Mm -hmm. that's funny because I went to a Catholic school and it was predominantly white. I think there were like three black kids in that whole school. It was probably about three or four hundred kids. I knew denomination. I was Baptist and they were Catholic, (laughs) but I didn't understand the difference. Excuse me, but I didn't understand that there was a reason why I wasn't going to birthday parties and sleepovers. And I eventually had to learn that, but I never saw it that way. It never occurred to me. Now, I know I'm not Catholic. I'm Baptist, but I had to learn everything that the Catholic Church wanted to teach. I had to still learn it. Catechism. I went to to mass every single day or the little doily on the head because you had to have the doily on the head. (laughs) You had the, the water and you're, you know, you know, bless I need pictures. Yeah. We have to have pictures of this. We need, we need them. Yeah, doilies. I mean, it was really cool. But I'm, I'm like you. I never realized that there was a difference other than the fact that I was a Baptist and they were Catholic. And it just shows that the differences are determined by the adult, mm-hmm. not by the kid. The mm-hmm. kid may see differences, but they see differences in ways that we think, well, that's kind of dumb. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, she's got, you know, she's got freckles. That's why she's, you know, like that's, you know, we, yes. the kids see things in totally different ways. And that's why kids are so pure and, and you know, they, we teach them hate, mm-hmm. you know, they're just loving in general. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think we've gotten down a rabbit hole, haven't we? Sorry. Yes. <laughs> yes. I apologize. That's me. That was all my fault. <laughs> So at, at Cook Children's, roughly 40% of patients um, admitted for mental health concerns identify as LGBTQ. Can you talk to us about why so many kids and teens in this population can struggle with their mental health? Well, like I said, I think it's stigmatism. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's good that you're using mental health, not mental illness. I think a lot of times people want to classify being LGBTQ as a mental illness. It's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. It's mental health, um, stress, anxiety that comes along from it. Um, imagine what it's like to be a child. You know you're different. Your parents are heterosexual. They don't understand what you're going through. They, You don't know who to turn to. If your parents have said things behind their back, you know, about someone who's gay or things, they don't know what to do. My father once said to me, my father worked for the Fort Worth Library System and a lot of the librarians back in the 80s were of the community. And my dad said, oh, you know, don't get involved with them. You know, they're bisexual. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> to whisper it. Yeah, like, you know, had to whisper, like, you know, that's a really dirty word. You know, you, you and I both know he wasn't bisexual. He knew he was gay. Yeah. But, you yes. know, back then it was more acceptable to see be bisexual. But, you know, the whole idea was that I knew at that point that my dad was not accepting. And my dad and I had never discussed it till the day he died. Not really? Yep, yeah, never discussed it. He met my husband and everything else, but my dad was military. And my dad was a, was accepting of us at the end. They called us their boys. But my dad just didn't want to discuss it. But that doesn't, like I said, love comes in lots of colors, lots of shapes. And it doesn't mean my father didn't love me. My father just didn't have the vocabulary to talk to me about it. My dad only told me once in my entire life he was ever proud of me because my dad was just that sort of a person. Um, My dad once told me when I graduated medical school, he was very proud of me graduating medical school because he could never have done that. And this is a man who 
you know, served 30 years in the military, mm-hmm. served two tours in Vietnam, got a master's degree. And, you know, was when he and he retired as lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, mm. he started off as, a, you know, just an airman. He oh. was drafted in the military, was an airman. He had a successful career. He could have done anything he wanted to. But, you know, he was more proud. He was proud that I went to medical school. And that was my father's way of saying he loved me, you know. Yes. And I just think that parents need to realize that. I think all these you have to understand these children. They may not have a home that's affirming, mm-hmm. so they're hiding at home. They go to school. One in 10 children that identify as LGBTQ um, say that they are um, physically or uh, attacked with a weapon at some point in their life. Um, you know, uh, bullying is high, mm-hmm. um, not just from students, from teachers alone. I had a teacher when I was growing up that was very much a bully. Um, and so you're constantly hiding. If you had to hide yourself all the time, how much stress and anxiety would you have? I think we all went through COVID and realized how stressful something can be that you have no control over mm-hmm. and how you would love to change it, but you just can't. Mm. And that's why there's a problem. And that's why I love the fact that it's people need to identify it as mental health, not mental illness. Mm-hmm. This is anxiety and stress. Think about if you owed a lot of money to the government, how stressed would you be? <laughs> you know, like right. that's the stress these kids are going through day in, day out worried somebody's going to out them some they're going to say something that may make somebody think something about them that they mm-hmm. don't want them to know it's hard i also don't use the word lgbtq with these children i use sexual and gender minority okay. because they're not 18 they don't know what they are no one deserves to be put in a box mm. right these kids may decide that you know they're just an ally you know they may decide right now that they're 18 they're heterosexual they're gonna get married have kids whatever they may turn at 60 and go you know what i fall in love with someone of the same sex mm-hmm. you know that's fine. We're not putting terms on people that are are permanent. You know, right. so I use sexual and gender minority as a term instead of LGBTQ. LGBTQ is very much an English term. It's very charged. I think really understanding sexual and gender minority is a better way of describing what's going on. Are you accepting of them exploring? Because that's what it sounds like. They're exploring where they are and who they are. It's who they are. Now, people think when you say exploring, they're exploring sex. Okay sexuality and sex aren't necessarily two things, right? So you, when you were 15, you probably were in love with a man. That's just statistically, you're probably going to be in love with a man. (laughs) But did you have sex at 15? No. Lots of people do not have adolescent sex, even though they're, you know, very much heterosexual. Well, discovering who you are does not have anything to do with doing an actual physical act. It's more of just discovering who you are. When I was an adolescent, I knew I was different. I, and we all do. Okay. Mm -hmm. What do you dream of? Like I can control my daily thing when I'm active and my brain's working, but what do you actually dream of? Do you dream of a man or a woman in your dreams? Mm -hmm. That's, that tells you a lot about your psyche and what's really on the inside. I could hide my, my gay self at at school and home all day long. But at night when I was just with myself, Mm -hmm. it wasn't women I was dreaming of. And that's, that's exploring themselves. It's trying to find out where you fit in and who you are. We all go through. How many yes. of us think we look like we do when we thought we were 20? Mm. We all, it, most people say it's usually around 30. They feel like they're themselves. They've yes. kind of gotten rid of some of their kitty stuff. They've gotten rid of some of the things, ideals their parents had for them or ideals they had for themselves. And when you kind of hit 30, 30 is a big milestone because at 30, you're kind of like, you know what? I kind of know who I am. Yes. And that's the same thing these kids are going through too. They're trying to figure out who they are. Yes. And and that is just a normal like we were talking about, like a totally normal part of development. And, you know, and whenever I was growing up, it was, and I'm sure we've all seen this, right? Like there'll be kids that change different like friend groups. So maybe they are really into sports. And so they'll really identify as being a jock and then they like get injured. And then all of a sudden they're in theater and they're like really, Mm -hmm. and they can change their appearance. And like, so I think, you know, like figuring out who you are, 
like now because of the internet and because kids are just more aware of the world, like it just has this extra dimension where kids are kind of figuring out like, okay, well, like, like what is my gender identity? What is my sexual identity? And then, you know, I, I, but my hope is that if kids are like asking that question earlier, maybe they can start and, and and hopefully our society becomes more accepting of them so that they can really explore that and so that they're not getting into their 30s and 40s you know still explaining it in a safe way or exploring it in a safe way yes because you know when your parents are not accepting your friends are not accepting your church is not accepting so where do you go you go, right. you go to a dark alley you go to a dark club you, sure. you know someone offers you something that will make your your stress go away you know that's why um, LGBTQ uh, minority are more at risk to having, you know, smoking and drinking. Studies have shown if they are in a supporting uh, environment, they have no higher risk of those things than, or mental health than uh, someone who's heterosexual. It has to do with where are you going to go? How are you going to self-medicate yourself for all these anxieties? stuff. You know, if you have an open relationship with your child, or it doesn't mean that you accept everything they say, but you've just got open communications. Mm -hmm. You're trying to figure out who they are just as much as they are trying to figure out who they are. That's more valuable than anything you'll ever know. Yes. My parents, like I said, my dad was not a very accepting person or anything like that, but I never felt like my dad was ever going to hurt me. Mm. Never felt my dad was ever going to throw me out of the house. Mm. My dad was never going to whip me. My mother used to threaten, wait till the colonel gets home. But, you know, the colonel. But, I, but I, knew, I knew mom was the enforcer and mom wouldn't do anything to me. My, my yeah. mom loved me no matter what. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but yeah. that was why I was lucky. That's why I'm a doctor. Yeah. I didn't fall into some of these other traps. I've never even smoked marijuana. I've never done a drug a day in my life. You know, um, I've never, I'm, we have a refrigerator full of alcohol for when family and friends come over. And it hasn't been touched since COVID started. Literally has not been touched. We don't drink. Mm. We just don't drink. Mm. It's not us. You know, people think that, you know, that's what you're into. No, like you can be very boring, yeah. you know, <laughs> but people choose a lot of these things because that's their way to medicate themselves. Yes. And also don't tell your kid it's a phase. Two thirds of LGBTQ children will tell you someone has told them it's just a phase. You'll grow out of it. That's not affirming. That is saying, I am ignoring what you're saying to me. Your opinion doesn't matter. And think about if someone said that to you. Well, as as these children and teens are exploring, how do we support them in all of this? So, like I said, first thing and foremost is love. Love comes mm -hmm. in lots of shapes and forms. You don't have to be, you know, the lovey-dovey person that, you know, gets a tattoo or anything like that. Mm -hmm. That's some people that that's just not them. My dad was not an affirming person in that sense, but my dad always loved me. Mm -hmm. My dad always made sure that I had what I needed. My dad never, you know, bullied me in any way, shape or form, even though I was not the sort of person he was. He wanted me to play football. He wanted me to do drafting team. I was in choir. I was in <laughs> science. I was in all these things that he had no, no, idea. no idea about. Yeah. But you know what? He came to all my shows. He came to all That's my awesome. things. Uh -huh. He was very proud when I got music scholarships to pay for college, uh -huh. you know, yeah. but I just wasn't what he, his sort of person. Now, when I was in college, I played rugby for the University of Texas. Okay. So part of me is like my dad, yes. but I didn't want to be that when I was trying to find who I was. Does that make sense? Yeah. The other thing is, no one knows all the answers. Don't feel like you have to know the answer for your kid. No one does. Your kid doesn't know. But if you want to, go out there and learn. There's mm -hmm. an organization called PFLAG. PFLAG's been around since 1972, 73. That's as old as I am. <laughs> That's really old. Um, they have over 400 chapters in the United States. And they also are in uh, Puerto Rico and the District of Columbia. They are a organization for families, friends, allies of gay and lesbians um, and transgender. 
Um, and they, uh, there's a chapter here in Fort Worth mm-hmm. and they, you can go on their website and you can anonymously sort of read what they have to say. So you don't, don't have to out yourself to go by the, by the, by the, by the building like you used to to get little, get little forms. Now you can do it on the internet and you read them in your own spare time at night under the bed. While instead of doing TikTok, you can read P flags. Um, but, but, you know, they have lots of handouts that kind of help you understand what's going on. And they'll tell you lots of stories of how, what went with, with their kids. Mm-hmm. And every kid is different. Even mm-hmm. twins are not the same. Yeah. So no two kids are going to have the same experience. You know, it's it's wonderful to hear how we can support, but it's scary in that we're, you know, the, the world, the nation mm-hmm. is becoming so much more conservative and so much more clamped down and so much more. Uh, they're not forgiving and not really wanting to know or trying to convince you otherwise. This mm-hmm. is I, I don't think I've ever experienced a time such as this. Is that I mean, how are. Is there hope here? What are we doing? <laughs> well, I, I will have to tell you that um, my 30th high school reunion was like this during was last year. And so uh, when COVID bro- finally broke and we could meet whatever, we had a, a big 30th high school reunion here in Fort Worth. And a lot of my classmates from school were shocked that I was gay, not in a bad way, but just like, oh, I never knew. They had no idea I was being bullied. They had no idea what was going on. But since then, you would be amazed at the people who want to be on my Facebook who who tag things that are being supportive. Yeah. Like you'd be, I was shocked with some people who I knew when I was a kid who I thought, oh, I would never, never let them know. Mm-hmm. But they're the most supportive people on the planet. They're so nice. There are a lot of people out there who are just quiet. My, when my mother became a U.S. citizen, the judge told her in the United States, the majority is silent. And I've always used that as, as a guidance in my life. The people you hear screaming the loudest rarely are the majority. Mm-hmm. The, the minority is the loud one. The majority is usually pretty quiet. And since a lot of things have been happening in the last 18 months, I have been getting a ton of emails from friends, tons of emails from people I wouldn't ever think that way that would be supportive who are like, you know what? I just want you to know I am supportive. Mm-hmm. I, I know you and your husband for years now. There's no way I would I agree what they do. Mm-hmm. So as much as, I, as we think that, yeah, times are rolling back, I, it's hope. There's always hope. There is. And I, and I also think the young, like for the majority, like the majority of the teenagers are very accepting, mm, you know, yeah. because they, even the conservative, yeah. conservative teenagers, studies yeah. have shown that conservatives, really younger conservatives have no problems with LGBTQ. That's not one of their issues. Mm. It's an older generation mm-hmm. issue. And that's the problem. Eventually time runs, catches up with you. So but <laughs> it's, not like we're going away. it's not like we're going away. We, we existed yeah. at times when we were more acceptable and we existed at times when we weren't acceptable. You know, before World War II, the place to be, if you were gay, to be safe was Berlin, Germany. Okay. And what happened during World War II? Okay. Germany came one of the most conservative, severe places to live. So places can shift, you know, mm-hmm. um, places can become, you know, safe again, but things come and go. And the thing is we teach all our kids, these are things you have to do to survive. I guess, you know, I am a different point of view. My mother was English. My mother grew up in World War II. She lived in a ditch for two years of her life. You basically, you know, the planes, they would go into London. If they couldn't make it into London, they'd go over my mother's hometown, going back out because it was an industrial town and they would dump all their bombs on my mother's hometown. So my mother constantly lived in a ditch. You know, she, her treats when my mother was a kid, she would pull carrots out of someone's front yard and scrape it along the wood boards going to school. And that was her treat. That was her treat. That was like eating sugar. That was the greatest thing. So when people say, oh, things are getting worse, I'm always like, 
you don't know what worse is yet. And I grew up with parents like that. And so I've always had a a sort of like the class is always half full. And I just think that's a better attitude to have in life. And it's just me in general. Okay. I just had an unraveling this weekend and I told everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So things have shifted in my head. (laughs) That's not a good thing, but it's okay. It's okay. As long as nothing fell out. No. (laughs) It didn't. She is fully intact. Good. Yeah, I'm She's doing great. I am. I am. <laughs> Dr. Sloan, I'm, what are you teaching your medical students at TCU about this topic? And, you know, what what suggestions do you have for physicians who maybe listen to this podcast? So I teach my students that you have to ask sexuality because it's important. It's I teach my students that they're not treating a disease, they're treating a person. Mm-hmm. So the first part of their interview is to find out what the disease is going on or what the problems are. But they're actually treating a human So those social questions that everyone hates to ask, one of them is sexuality, safety, drugs, you know, all the things people hate to ask, they're important to ask. I loved the social history and that's why I'm a psychiatrist. I'm I'm the weirdo in the room. But if if you don't ask those questions, how are you going to know what happens? And in order for someone to be honest with you, you have to treat them like anything is possible. Like you don't care. Like whatever your problem is, I'm here to answer you. When you start having a comment of like, oh, you don't do drugs, do you? You know, that's a comment. Oh. That's a judgment <laughs> call. That's a judgment call. And yep. No, no, I don't. <laughs> like, actually, now that you mention it. Um, yeah. So, and I teach uh, my students that, you know, sexuality is the same way. You know, uh, do you have sex with men, women, both? I mean, you have to do it bluntly and just ask. Yes. Because there are people out there who are begging for you to ask the right question. I avoided the doctor for 30 years because I felt I'd be outed. And so I would just avoid the doctor. I'm a doctor. I can take care of my major problems, you know? So I avoided the doctor. I have all these medical problems now because of all the things I avoided. And that's why LGBTQ patients are at high risk for things and health disparities because cancer screenings, um, you know, all these psych, uh, the constant psych abuse that they get from sure. everybody. This is the reasons why we have health disparities. It's the constant avoidance of, of knowing, you know, OBGYNs that don't want to write um, hormones for lesbian women because they're not, they can't get pregnant. You know, so how would you like to be a woman that, you know, has an irregular cycle or has, Mm -hmm. you know, severe pain and periods, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, you start to avoid, just like going to a dentist, you avoid the dentist because it's going to hurt, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Same idea. Psychological abuse is just as bad. Well, how are you helping? I mean, okay, so are we growing up a new generation of physicians who are really going to be a little different than the generation before them? Because it sounds like you're, you're asking them to listen and to be something that, the people of your generation or before you haven't been. Yeah. Well, TCU, their motto is empathetic scholar. That's their whole goal that they're trying to teach is empathetic scholars. So they want their students not only to be, you know, all about the latest research, but to relearn the art of medicine. Mm. The art of medicine is the caring, the feeling. So I teach my students uh, one of my favorite Maya Angelou statements. It's my life, my life mantra. And I'm going to butcher it, but basically it goes like this. I've learned in life that people will forget what you say. People will forget what you do, but they will never forget how you treat them. And that, what the first time I heard that, it was like a light bulb went off in my head. And I've learned, yeah, my patient may be difficult, blah, 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 but it's how I treat them that really matters. And that's all they're going to remember. So I try my hardest, no matter what the problem is, to treat them with respect and dignity. And that's all that anybody asks of them. And it's so easy. And I wish my colleagues colleagues would would see it that way. And it's really just about how do you want to be treated? How do you handle, though, um, when you're dealing with patient family, the parent is having a hard time with what this child is saying? And and how do you, 
in the middle, how do you meet the parent and the child uh, together? Well, first of all, this is usually an adolescent problem. Usually, not always, uh, but usually with adolescents, I always have a standing order that we're, and I tell the parents when I start, I'm going to talk with the two of you together. Then I'm going to talk with you privately and I'll come back in and talk with the patient. And then I will not disclose what he says or she says, but if it's something important, if it's something life and death, we will tell you together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the parent feels like, and I tell them it's because they're becoming an adolescent. They need to realize um, what's going on, um, but they need to realize that their child needs to have comfort with their doctor. Mm -hmm. And so in that time, if there's a conflict between the two, I just try to mediate as best I can. I let the parent know that um, this isn't going to change. No matter how hard you wish it, it's not going to change. In fact, what did you do when you were 16 and you wanted to have black fingernails and your mother said no? <laughs> no. Yeah. Exactly. You painted them black. <laughs> yes. Right? So all you're doing is pushing in harder. If that's really something you think they're doing it to be mean to you, then just stop being mean to them. Mm. It goes both ways. And the other thing is just try to learn on your own and just love your child. That's all you need to do. And then when I go in with the patient, I give them resources of, mm -hmm. you know, if you need safety, I'm always here. You can always tell your mother, you just need to go to the doctor. You don't have to give her a reason. She's agreed that we've, you know, I always talk about that with the parents that if they have a reason to come to the doctor, they don't have to give you the reason. Just say, I need to go to the doctor and they will bring you. Um, and we can talk about any topic. I will broach any topic with your parent if you want. I mean, I've talked to parents about their child being pregnant. I've talked about mm -hmm. their child being raped. I've talked about lots of things with parents as a pediatrician. Pediatricians do a lot of things that we think we just, you know, spank little baby butts nope. and, you know, <laughs> nope. we, we deal with a Give lot of shots. things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are definitely most, I wanted to be a child psychiatrist. It was between child, child psychiatry or <laughs> pediatrics. Okay. And I kind of realized, you know what? Most pediatricians are kind of psychiatrists. Oh, yes. Yeah, we all oh, yes. are. I mean, because we're all about the touchy-feely things. 100%. We're in the room. We're asking questions. We're watching responses. We're trying to figure out what exactly is going on there. You know, how are things handling things? You know, I wear a badge that has... Um, rainbow flag on it has uh, the uh, um, transgender mm -hmm. flag on it and mm -hmm. says I'm a safe place I always wear it with my badge I've had families tell me all the time I see your badge let me tell you something are you safe are you safe people are looking for a safe space mm -hmm. so I tell my colleagues you know if you want to really help these patients wear something like this mm. wear a rainbow somewhere wear a rainbow. these are clues to let people know that you're safe I used to look for them. And if I see those things, I know I'm in the same place. The kid does too. Mm. Okay. The kids are looking for that as well. Kids may be very, they're a lot more um, savvy than you give them. Because oh, remember, yeah. you used to be 16 too, and you thought you knew the world <laughs> yeah. too, right? Oh you know the bad things they can get into. Do you want your kids to find it on their own? Or do you want your kids to have, know the safety that they're always, you've always got their back? Mm -hmm. Kids make mistakes. That's why adolescents are allowed to be adolescents. They make mistakes and we're here to help them. In a safe and 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 whenever you make the mistakes, like let's let's do it in a safe way. Like let's not do like if you're. I mean, experimenting with drugs. Pretty. Yeah, no, we don't we we don't promote that. Mm -mm. But if you get into that, it's our job to help you out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I remember when I was eighteen, um, back in the day, um, my my brother and my sister in law would smoke, and we would come. They, you know, when we would have family gatherings, they would be smoking, and you it know, was you so. You just dated yourself. I know. <laughs> did but it was you know to me back then it was just so glamorous and it looked like oh they were having such a great time so I would pick up a cigarette and I would try to smoke in front of my mother and um the genius of my mother is that she never said a word mm -mm. Mm -mm. <laughs> she never ever ever said a word and I don't know it took me two three times of doing that 
I you're was like, done. This is gross. Yeah. Yeah. I was done. Yeah. The thrill of, of making my mother upset is gone now. <laughs> I, I have to tell you how, how old you dated yourself. My medical students are like, you know, mid to late 20s, some of them. They have no idea how many cigarettes are in a pack. They don't know what a pack is. Oh. I had to explain to them what a carton and a pack. Oh my gosh. Never seen one. It's oh. glorious though, right? Yeah. That's good. But how things you, have changed. But they can tell you all about, you know, the vape, whatever vape The vape things. Things. Oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah. yeah. The Cigarettes. flavors. They don't know what nicotine staining is. We, I mean, like, oh, you've never been in a house with nicotine stains? Oh. oh. That's a nice thought. Oh. <laughs> Dr. Sloan, what's one thing you want people to walk away from, from this podcast? Like, what do you want us to understand? I want people to understand that someone saying that they're a sexual and gender minority does not make them unusual or weird. Okay. Everybody's different in some way. No two people are exactly alike. Like I said, even twins are different. If you talk to twins, they'll tell you there are lots of differences between us. And you look at them, you're like, they look exactly the same. <laughs> but they can see the differences in them, each other. Okay. We always point out the differences of people. And we always want to say that that's what makes someone worse than us. But people who are sexual and gender minority are just like you and me. You know, we are out there. If you just don't, I don't go around talking about who I, who I am, you know, what I am. Yeah, if I introduce my husband, you get a really good idea of that. Mm -hmm, but, you mm -hmm. know, I walk into meetings, people have no, no idea. idea, absolutely no idea. And they don't, and they shouldn't. It's not their business. But the thing is, it's not abnormal. You can't cure it. It's not a disease. Right. It's not a disease. No, it's beautiful. And no one made me this way. I was not trained to be gay a man. Let me just tell mm -hmm. you the number of books I read that had straight heroines and straight <laughs> men in it. I didn't turn out straight. I didn't read a single <laughs> book growing up that had a gay heroine. I never saw a drag queen until I was I was I was I was well into my twenties. Um, I mean, none of that. The only thing I could say is I did like George Michael. I mean, and I love do. Madonna. I should have yeah. known right there. Yeah, I love Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> should have been a clue. Should have been a clue. <laughs> oh my gosh, this has been wonderful. Yes, thank you so much for joining us today. And we just really appreciate your insight and your honest conversation. Thank you for having me. It was great to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to um, the Raising Joy podcast. I'm, I don't know where I am and who I'm, what I'm doing right now. Next week, we're excited to have the Hope Squad joining us. They're going to tell us about their peer-to-peer -peer suicide prevention initiative in local schools. I cannot wait. Same. And if you find this kind of information useful, please rate, review, and subscribe to Raising Joy. Until next time, just breathe, open up, you, you matter. matter.